0: Hello and welcome to Get Object. This is a show about things in games. I'm Rosie. I'm joined today as always by my fantastic co-host Paul. Hello. And today we are talking about telephones. So we will all be hanging up on each other. Don't know. <laughs> didn't didn't think of one this week. Uh but we'll be doing that soon first some chat Paul. How are you?
1: I'm good, thank you. Are you okay?
0: I'm absolutely fine. Yes. Uh we're all we're all getting along about as best as we possibly can manage, aren't we in the current weird world situation (laughs) yeah
1: you've you've had some time to play some games right
0: (laughs) yeah i've been playing some videos i've I've had the week off work whatever that means um at the moment Uh, i'm working from home right now but yes i did take some holiday and i have been playing skyrim which um 2011 game by bethesda uh i know i've mentioned elder scrolls games on here before Uh, I think I just reached the stage with, um, oh God, I just, I I was a bit stressed out last week and I was like, just time for some actual, just sitting on the sofa, comfort food. And to me, Skyrim is is that, you know, Um, it's not my favourite Elder Scrolls game, but it's the one that I can play really easily, sat on the sofa, on the TV um, and put lots of mods on it. And I had a really nice time um i've stopped playing that now because i got very very into heaven's vault which is a game that you recommended oh, can to I, can i
1: just say for because oh, uh, i don't know if you know this but um i have played uh, an elder scrolls game which is skyrim you have played uh, skyrim uh, yeah so that's the only one that i yeah so i've played the whole way through uh, ah like very nice yeah it was all right well i i i started like another skyrim but i don't know which one it was and Another Skyrim. quickly. Right. Uh, another Skyrim, sorry. Another- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that says a lot about my... Uh,
0: <laughs> I did play one to... of those Skyrims. <laughs> 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 okay. Yeah, yeah so okay. you Right, so you've had a go. Right, let's, let's move on
1: to Heaven's Vault now. Okay, we'll move on to. to
0: Heaven's Vault. I have not been... Heaven's Vault was a real surprise to me. Um, you put me onto this, didn't you? Um... Was that on the basis of a recommendation or? Uh,
1: Did... I, I had it on my Steam wish list for quite a while because I mm-hmm. thought it looked cool. And we have languages on our list of stuff to cover. And mm-hmm. I think I just kind of thought that would be cool. And it looked a bit, I don't know, it looked a little bit anthropological. Uh, what's the word I'm trying to um, say there?
0: Anthropological?
1: Yeah, I was trying to say something like it looks a bit anthropology-y, you know what I mean? <laughs> yes. And then I started it and I couldn't finish that. Um yeah, so I thought you might like that as well and it would be good for the show. So
0: Uh yeah, I so I was it was a bit of a surprise to me that that came out in 2019. It's by Inkle, um a UK-based uh developer. It I just I have not been this into a game for quite a while. As someone who plays games all the time, like um I have really struggled to put it down. Um I've been playing it all day um this week while I've had time off. Um I've been, you know, sort of like eight hours a day. <laughs> Just like ridiculous, ridiculous oh, stretches, right. really unusual stretches of time for me um playing this game. I'm I'm enjoying it so, so, so much. Um it is it it is a game about an archeologist um, in an alien world who is sort of looking into details about the fall of a previous civilization. Um, and it's uh, the kind of mechanics are similar. I guess it's like a point and click game, but
1: mm. not
0: really. The main mechanic is around translation and that mechanic is so much fun as you try to uncover the meaning of these glyphs that your character Alia is is coming across. Um, I just yeah, I find it's just insanely compulsive, like I just want to get back into that game and translate more glyphs and be able to understand more of the world um it's it's absolutely brilliant um aesthetically it has um it kind of reminds me a little bit of um the dune books and also the mist video games, and I would say like um like those works, it really makes a lot of other. Sort of sci-fi and um, fiction based in alien worlds makes make, it sort of shows up how conventional that kind of work can be mm. because because Heaven's Vault is is so interesting and imaginative and creative. Um, so yeah, uh, ambitious work, uh, really really well pulled off. I'm very very impressed. I'm having the time of my life. Cannot recommend it enough.
1: Okay, well I'm delighted you're enjoying it that much. I really, and, um,
0: yeah, so much.
1: Yeah, and I do own it now, so I'm going to start it soon. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you're going at eight-hour eight stretches, I'm not sure I can catch you up, but um, <laughs> I'll but I'll, uh, I'll try and start that uh, soon. Um, so maybe maybe I'll talk about that next time uh, we record. If um, yeah, hopefully I'll have started on it by then.
0: All right. Well, yeah. what are you playing at the moment then?
1: Uh, well. I mean, I'm, I mean, one of the games I'm playing is obviously uh, Avenum Escape from the Pit, but we, oh, we yeah. can't we can't talk about that now. That have to be saved for um, for the next uh, Game Club. Yes, that's um, the one
0: that I nominated for you to play for Game Club. Yes, yeah, which we're doing so, for our patron.
1: Yes, um, nope. yeah. Uh, thanks to we've got some new few new patrons since we uh, last recorded. So thanks to everyone that signed up. That was. Uh, really cool and yeah. yeah um while we're on our guest uh patreon.com slash get object if you want to hear a game club with uh talking about avenum and talking about rosie playing Mount solid which we'll yes. get back to you soon as well yep uh, and the video stuff we're putting up there as well Um, But yeah, so I've been playing that. I've played today, I have started playing Soldier of Fortune, which you may remember from our gore episode. Oh, right, yeah. It's the one where you can, uh, like, it reacts to where you shoot people on the limbs. Yes. Like, it blows their arms off and stuff, or they'll, like, grab their balls if you shoot them in their balls and things like that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to be writing a feature on it for Retro Gamer and interviewing some of the people that made it. So I've just been playing that today to kind of refresh my memory and stuff. Um, But uh, I've also been playing The Flower Collectors, um, Mm -hmm. which is a game I'm reviewing. Uh, I'm reversing my previous policy. I'm not talking about (laughs) games that I'm reviewing because I want to talk about them and I don't think... Me mentioning it on the podcast is going to harm <laughs> the mag- the publication I'm reviewing it for in any way. Uh, so, yeah. Um, okay. So, it's a game set in Barcelona in 1977. And you play as a retired police officer who's in a wheelchair after, like, having an accident or something. Well, you find, well, you, you don't really know exactly why right at the beginning. But, um, that, so he was forced to retire from that. And his apartment's, like, high up in a block of flats and he is it would appear partially unable partially unwilling to leave that flat so you can basically just see he's got a balcony and you can just see the streets surrounding like a couple of streets surrounding his flat Mm -hmm. like his little plaza a couple of streets and at the beginning of the game a murder happens outside in the plaza and you end up meeting a young journalist who, and you kind of work investigating it together but you stay in the flat and at the balcony and you kind of watch the residents like what they're doing with like a pair of binoculars and you take pictures for evidence and you have a walkie-talkie um we may be to this game later right uh, and you you keep in touch with the journalist who can kind of go down and do stuff in the plaza that you can't do and it's kind of so it's like this murder mystery but it's also about um kind of the transit spain's transition from fascism to democracy ah. and kind of some of the, the kind of role because you being a former police officer uh under that regime and some of the stuff that he would have done and some of the kind of conflicts in there and say so it's really it, I, I really like the concept of hmm. this kind of obviously it's like um what's it called room with you is that the film the hitchcock film i've never guy? seen
0: any films paul i have no idea oh, okay
1: i also haven't seen the film rear, it's window. Very fam- uh, rear window yeah I've i don't heard know what that. i'm talking about now. maybe that's a different film <laughs> right. um yeah rear window i think so i really like the concept i think that's really cool mm. i like games that place limits on us and find interesting things within those limits that's a cool mm. thing and i like the fact that it's kind of about this bigger idea as well um yeah that sounds game. lovely I like
0: yeah it. um this uh, streets of barcelona sounds like a lovely place to set a game as well very pretty yeah
1: um so that i've also played uh utopias navigating without coordinates which right. is a uh I would describe it as an art game. Um it's made by like a uh kind of collective in Berlin. Um I kind of I kind of know some of them from they listen to my podcast. Cool. They very kindly put my podcast in the credits of the game. Uh my That's other podcast, so cool. Utopian Horizons. Yeah. Um so they've been you know, they have like uh they've had events before where they do like talks around themes and stuff and they obviously make games together and this was on a subject I like. So it's kind of, um, it's got like a hub world with like planets around it. And each planet you go to is then takes you to a different kind of game that I guess probably different people have made different games. Um, some of them are really abstract and weird. I don't feel like it's, I don't think like I want to talk too much about them. Cause I feel like kind of part of the fun of it is going to a different one. And like, see and there's a quite a diversity there there's some really strange stuff and some cool ideas there but um yeah i like it yeah. um so there's that uh and i've been playing moving out which is also again i'm playing for review where you um it's like overcooked kind of idea but you're uh, move your movers so mm-hmm. you uh, have to get the stuff out the house into the moving van as quickly as possible it doesn't matter how much you break stuff so you can throw <laughs> things out of windows and like you know you smash the whole place up basically while you're doing it um, has some kind of obviously these games try to complicate things as it goes on to make mm. it harder mm. uh, some of the stuff that it introduces is more annoying than uh fun but then like later on it uh introduces stuff that is actually interesting and good so it, i don't know there's um a sense that they they didn't get a good sense of what what uh nuances made the game more fun and what made it more annoying and sometimes the balance isn't quite right but i do think it's uh i do think i do like it overall i do think it's a fun game um and certainly obviously if you're looking for a co-op game because mm. that's what it's geared towards playing with multiple people um yeah that's fun. Yeah. Lovely. So, um, before we get on to our subject for today's episode, um, just a quick bit of feedback that we got. So, we got a tweet from Hopscotch Friday on Twitter replying to our uh, food episode uh, saying, I had an appropriately Proustian rush of memory to Paul's mention of Zor, video, video game level design as our generation's Madeline love it yeah I had to get Rosie to explain both that reference to me and what a Madeleine was uh I've <laughs> never eaten one of those um since since uh, you explained that to me I saw like another tweet like referencing Madeleines in this fashion is this like a meme or something where people like make a, it's, fun it's, of how much she likes Madeleines or, or something
0: it's I mean it's like a meme like an old literature sort of version of a meme uh yeah Proustian um like a, a Proustian memory or a Proustian moment. I don't even know if I'm pronouncing it right because I've only ever seen it written down and I must admit, I've never read any Proust myself. But my understanding is it comes up in A La Recherche de Tom Perdue, uh, In Search of Times Lost, and there's something about eating a madeleine and, wow, big rush of nostalgia and memory for him. Okay. you Zool that's the
1: equivalent, apparently.
0: It was so funny, though, because when you said Zool, I don't think I ever actually played zool but i just suddenly got this intense flood of 90s imagery the second you said zool so i do i do actually know what hopscotch friday is talking about there, even as someone who hasn't played zool it clearly was like a a key um kind of something about zool really tapped into the zeitgeist
1: (laughs) yeah 90s were big on like mascot games weren't they like yeah uh... Yes, yeah. I don't. Yeah, still was one of those. Yeah, platformers, mascot platformers. I guess. Um, yeah, and he
0: was like a radical dude, wasn't he? He was one of them. He was a I he was a, like. he was
1: a ninja. Um, right. Okay. I, th- I feel so, like he was an alien, maybe as well. So like maybe an alien, alien ninja. ninja so he combined some cool things together. Uh, that is very rad. Yeah. It is rad. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Also. Uh, Peter Bell got in touch, uh, emailed us about us getting the show on Google Podcasts. Um, mm. cause you can't submit podcasts to Google Podcasts. They just, well, our previous podcast just appeared on there, but GetObject has not for some reason. I don't know why. Peter very kindly <laughs> tried to help me, um, solve that issue. I've done something. I don't know if it'll solve the issue. If anybody who's listening understands, uh, google podcasts and like what you need to do to make it appear then uh please help me (laughs) Um, i yeah but but, i mean maybe it'll appear in the next week or so but
0: maybe someone's listening right now on google podcasts and you can just check in and let us know that you know we've appeared um, but yeah, it does seem to be a very, like loads of things to do. I mean, I won't bore the listeners, but <laughs> loads of things to do with podcasts and the way that they get hosted and the way that reviews get posted and blah, blah, blah. That seems very arbitrary. Yeah. And um, yes, here we go. Google Podcasts. Who knows how you get on there? It's like, um, it's like Grace or something, Paul. It can't really be explained, I don't think. Mm.
1: Yeah. Okay. So today we're going to be talking about telephones
0: ring ring how do you feel about telephones Paul?
1: I mean I well so first of all I think it's pretty important to define what we're talking about or what we're focusing on when we talk about telephones because obviously when you say a phone the first thing uh, I would think about is my smartphone which is very rarely used as a telephone Um, Mm. and we're not primarily concerned this episode with the things that a smartphone can do, such as uh, functioning as a computer and letting you uh, send messages and go on the internet and do all these other things. We are concerned with the electronic transfer of the voice um, Yes, is, is what we're interested in. So if we're talking about phones in that way, um, I think you... I think you may even mention this as well. I don't particularly like phone calls as a general rule. No, no,
0: no absolutely not. No, <laughs> hell. Um, yeah, so I was having a conversation, actually. I um, had a bit of an exchange with um, Amelia, who is one of our lovely listeners on um, Diane, and she said the same thing as me, which is, it's really strange, because as someone who was a teenager in like the 90s, I have such strong memories of of being on the telephone, loving being on the telephone, sitting on the telephone for hours on end, um, you know, people not being able to get me off the phone. And now it's like, I do not want to do a phone call with anyone ever. Like that is just not, not what I'm looking for, not what I'm seeking. Um, I only kind of really do Texting's great. You know, I think in I'm actually fine with, like, Zoom and Skype calls. But, yeah, the phone, is, oh, God, phone call, a nightmare.
1: Yeah. I actually, I never, right. yeah, I never liked phone calls. Yeah, I didn't spend ages on the phone. I mean, yeah, I mean, unfortunately to, like, fit into stereotypes again. But as a teenage boy, I also did not <laughs> did not have interest in sitting on the phone for ages right. talking to my friends. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, there's something awkward about phone calls i find them difficult i find it very difficult to be natural in a phone call Mm -hmm. uh yeah i don't know what why that is Uh,
0: i just feel like there's so much less um contextual cues and stuff like that like i mean i'm so right now me and paul are recording this as just a, a note we we record on um skype so we can see each other i much 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 prefer that um Mm. it's obviously not the same as being in the same room with someone but at least you're getting a lot more cues from them it the conversation feels much more easy to manage I think it's it's not quite as I find it quite stressful having to like I feel like you have to work quite hard when it's just the voice um, yeah. apart-
1: I'm, I'm nodding at the moment listeners yeah. getting <laughs> lots of valuable information
0: but that is valuable information you know if Paul was sitting there making a, like a face at me I'd think okay fair enough maybe I'm talking bollocks right now but you know it is helpful to get those cues back from the other person um, and and phone calls I mean I know there'll be people out there who are just like no not me I love them I've, I've got mates who love phone calls my mum is extremely mm. into them um, but yeah I, I find it just find it not as easy.
1: Mm. Yeah.
0: Okay, so we are talking about telephones. We are emphasizing the voice. Um, the I had a little look. Um, so the first patent for the phone is in 1876, uh, granted famously to Alexander Graham Bell. Um, mm-hmm. I just thought it was quite cool the way in the late 1800s there is clearly this move where suddenly the phone becomes this really important technology. And I noticed that it kind of comes around the same time as, as spirit mediumship and Ouija boards.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: And this is the kind of thing, this is the kind of detail, if I was on the Shadow Trap, which is a show about monsters, I do. This is the kind of thing we would spend an entire episode on. But I do think it's quite interesting just to note, you know, that obviously this idea that um the voice became this kind of really relevant medium and the idea that voices should be, be able to be transmitted messages mm. should be able to be transmitted from people who are distant to us um mm. starts to be kind of this very live cultural concern i mean
1: this, this isn't a exactly scientific method mm. but i can believe certainly that the the kind the introduction of that technology could result in a kind of shift of people if not conscious even subconsciously their understanding of kind of the voice and being very aware of the idea of connection yeah across gaps that previously seemed impenetrable. So obviously the phone would be physical distance, but like, yeah, these kind of spiritual ideas of crossing some kind of gap, the voice being able to be disembodied. Mm. And uh, yeah, so I can imagine how those kind of interests could resonate in the technology and it could kind of bring out these things or these interests I th- it makes sense to me.
0: I just think it kind of makes sense, yeah. Um, yeah, we won't... I mean, that is interesting. There is a game uh, that I guess we'll talk about later that kind of explicitly highlights um, the idea of a linkage between telephones and Ouija boards. But yeah, certainly the idea of um, this technology that is making available to us for the first time um, live communications from somewhere very far away, from somewhere that we cannot reach. Um, and that is the exciting thing I guess that the phone offers Um, and then obviously you know it becomes like a really dominant technology throughout the 20th century and um, the thing that comes up when you look in kind of the anthropology of technology which I don't know loads it's not really sort of where my work was but um, one thing that comes up quite a lot is the idea that once a technology becomes part of human life it can be like the most sophisticated, you know, it can be something that would be barely imaginable 10 years previously. And then suddenly, it's just so everyday, so mundane, so commonplace. Mm. Um, So this technology that first appears to be, you know, this really remarkable miracle thing that maybe puts in mind that, you know, all sorts of exciting ideas about the distances from which we can reach one another, um, becomes completely wound into everyday life. And I guess that's the kind of um setting that we all sort of grew up in um people who'd be making and listening to the show uh there's always an interesting thing I find um with people of our age Paul and I'm talking specifically of us in like our sort of mid-30s um Mm. when I was when I was teaching um at um uh when I was lecturing um I was teaching students who were sometimes you know um like eight years younger than me not that much younger really in the grand mm-hmm. scheme of things but the difference um that it made uh from the fact that when me and you were teenager Paul I I assume you did not necessarily have a mobile phone as a young teenager uh, mm-hmm. no I didn't get I didn't get one till I was about 18 um and that was not unusual or strange that was just kind of around the time that everyone started getting them um and the difference that that makes I think is has been absolutely huge obviously the difference of smartphones and stuff like that but it is one of those things that yeah. you
1: do just the just the whole thing of like maybe going somewhere and not knowing if someone's going to show up that's exactly like...
0: the example that I would use with 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 my students I was like no you used to like if my if, I used to know a group of people who would hang out at the skate park on a Saturday and you would just Mm. kind of go there and hope for Mm. the best. (laughs) Yeah. And it's so difficult. They just would be like, what? What if nobody was there? And it's like, well, sometimes nobody was there and you'd have to walk around and around (laughs) until people showed up. But yeah, really difficult to kind of... A completely different world, you know. I think there's a difference between our generation and the generation who grew up with phones um, that is completely unlike the difference between us and people 10 years older than us, you know. Mm. Um, Yeah. It made a a huge impact.
1: Yeah, for sure. But yeah, now, as you say, very boring and mundane and every day
0: every day yeah but despite this I will I will say I did still find um one quite interesting poem um I think this is a poem that I studied at GCSE it's called Long Distance by Tony Harrison and that's um it's quite nice it suggests that for all that the phone is very mundane um it's a man talking about his grief for his um for his parents and in fact his his dad's grief for his mum um and um and he's still kind of thinks of the phone he still kind of tries to call his dad's number basically long after his dad's death um so there is still that kind of there is still something in the phone that is kind of strange and uncanny um at the same time as for all that it's it's very mundane uh so yes yeah, so that's mm. that's telephones and I think I think as we look at the way that they're used in games we will see more of those kind of the strangeness and the ubiquity of them is uh, is interesting
1: mm okay well i mean because i think specifically because we were thinking about these phones we were thinking about not the ways that smartphones operate you know the phone as a computer Mm. um i obviously had the landline more in my head and for some reason one of the first things that that uh, the the first thing i thought of was phones and horror Mm. like the 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 phone yeah but a particular thing in like horror films, the phone ringing uh maybe somebody you know the the I don't even know if it's from a particular film, but you know the like I'm in your house thing or somebody doing oh, a, a threatening mean, uh, call or or whatever something like that
0: absolutely, yeah, I mean I was gonna say mention the the opening to scream uh which I think really distills all the kind of phone urban legends of the nineties really beautifully, which is exactly that like the call coming from. Oh, from yeah, somewhere, that was like an who, urban someone legends, who is actually well? it, yeah, there's loads of urban legends that basically are that. You know, it's really interesting that that again, that sense of the uncanny and the grip that phones had over the imagination. Um, there was still this, this a slight concern. There's still something odd about them the whole time.
1: Yeah, so that's good, that. So the fact that there's all these urban legends around phones shows that there's a certain charge to them. Yes um so that's interesting it shows that there's something as you've been suggesting a bit off about them yeah um, maybe something to do with that disembodied voice whatever I don't know but that's something that's as I say been done in films a lot it's also been used in games um not as much in games perhaps, because uh, I would assume just because we're usually not confined to a particularly small space in games, which is where that kind of idea works the best. Mm. Um, uh, Suicide of Rachel Foster, which I talked about recently in an episode, um, has a a walkie-talkie in it. We were, for the purposes of this episode, we're being liberal enough to include things like walkie-talkies under the umbrella of Thrones. It does also have a... I don't, I don't know if it's like a payphone or just a landline on the wall and there's a moment where it rings and you answer it and you are threatened by a stranger who does not reveal who they are. So that's very, very unsettling in the, the situation that that you're in. Um I was I was thinking about like what the horror comes from, and there's probably there's a number of of, of different things, but one of the things I, I found interesting was the the idea of the ringing of the phone announcing a presence Mm, mm. so it first of all announces and and this is the thing um when we're talking about old phones of course now when somebody rings you you normally know who's ringing uh when we had landlines you didn't know who was ringing uh and you'd sometimes be more nervous especially if you were young about answering the phone because you didn't know who was going and what you might have to deal with um uh, so, yeah, it announces an, a presence, but an unknown presence intruding into a space. Um, and if you're in a game or something where you're su- a space that's supposed to be empty and you're supposed to be alone, now somebody's intruding into it. But the other thing is, it also announces your presence because if you answer it, the phone stops ringing. Mm. So, particularly in a game like The Suicide of Rachel Foster, where the whole thing is you're alone in a hotel. Uh, an abandoned and dilapidated hotel but are you alone in the hotel yes and if you answer the phone the other person the imagined the the kind of even if you you've been alone in a space right and you know that you're alone but you have that uneasy you know you know what I'm talking about you have that uneasy sense Mm. that maybe you're not whatever as soon as you answer the phone you're announcing yourself to that other presence which is an uncomfortable feeling and the landline is tied to a space so you're fixed to a place it's not um yeah not like a mobile phone
0: yeah they don't just know your home they know your they know where you are (laughs) in your home (laughs)
1: yes
0: (laughs) yeah um yeah i found the suicide of rachel foster which yeah i watched um someone playing on twitch Um, yeah, that was a good example. And another example, um, in which it's played with horror is, um, Amnesia and Machine for Pigs. Have you ever played any of the Amnesia games?
1: No, I wouldn't play that.
0: No, um, (laughs) it's quite good. I never played the first one, which is like the really well regarded one. Um, but I quite enjoyed Amnesia and Machine for Pigs and it's got like a spooky Victorian, uh, One of those, you know, one of those phones with the funny things that you actually have to pick up and hold to your ear um, while speaking to the separate mouthpiece. Anyway, yeah, it's quite good. It's quite fun. But yes, again, phones as a source of horror.
1: Yeah, I guess the the other thing is obviously, as I said, the disembodied voice thing. Mm. There's a kind of weird mix of the organic and the artificial because the voice is obviously uh, an organic thing, but it's being made artificial. It's like a copy of the... It's ostensibly the person you're talking to, but really it's a copy of their voice. It's, you're not actually hearing their voice. Okay, so There's yeah. kind of this weird transgression there or something like that. Um, I think maybe the fact that it's disembodied allows space for the imagination to fill in the blanks, which is always a potential for a source of horror, uh, can be a potential for all sorts of other positive uh, things as well, but not necessarily... Um, it also creates a space for deception that both parties are aware of. That that's part of the unease. You, you're the person that you're talking to knows very well that you can't see them and knows that you can't know who they are, and they know that you know that. So mm. there's there's that element to it as well. And yeah, deception's something I want to maybe return to, but that's uh, just something I like to bring up in in terms of horror. Yeah. So. Again, I, I something I think we're kind of uh, landing on a lot is the, the form of the phone. And we're talking about like the landline phone. Um, I think of particularly the rotary phone. Uh, yes. That's the right name, right? The yeah. one where you put your finger in the thing and you have to uh, turn the dial around and it goes...
0: Yeah, already quite unusual by the time we were using telephones, I would imagine. I only knew one person who had one in her yeah, house. we had one. Right, really, because they were a pain yeah. in the ass. those phones. Like, yeah. it used to take about five minutes to ring anyone. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but th- that's, uh, yeah, that's the phone. We- that's, well, that's what I was used to at first. Yeah. But, um, yeah, that was replaced. Uh, yeah. Good. Not long after that, I guess. But they... I think there's a, a kind of special symbolic power imbued in the rotary phone mm. because it's got, this is the, this is where you get the ring from for a start. And that's a kind of a weird thing that they have bells in them that actually physically ring. So it's a weird, again, it's a weird blend again. We've got like the digital and the kind of analog, like the... the Voice being digitized, but like an, an old a bell, like actually ringing in the phone, right? Which is weird. Um, and there's something I don't know. There's something eerie about that ring. It was always very mm. loud. Mm. Like if you had, because I think that rotary phone that I said as well was uh, had that, and it was yeah loud. It's like very penetrating and unsettling. Um. So yeah, they these phones I think occupy a really strange place because. The phone is still... So the phone's a modern technology. It's a technology of the modern age, as you said. Mm. Um, and in a way, they are the modern technology. When we think about like smartphones, they're kind of de- definitive of... They are of the modern age, but even like definitive of like this new age we're in now. But those phones, those old phones, are both that thing, but also not that thing. They are a modern technology encased in like the shell of the past of something that's gone they don't sit comfortably like they feel obsolete but again they're not they're not they're 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 modern technology so again they're crossing these boundaries um and they have so you talk about it being becoming mundane right so having Mm. this new thing but then the time also then kind of regrants it an aura like when you think about like landline rotary phones like they bec- phones become mundane but then those old phones as time goes on get this yeah aura about them of this they get their list. charge back <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. yeah so yeah i as you can tell i've been thinking about these phones <laughs> yeah um f- but um so you we've both played you've you've been playing control mm, of course mm. and the hotline is a phone that appears in control, and that is one of those old rotary phones and I think it has to be this kind of phone precisely for all those reasons that I've been talking about it can carry that connotation of the supernatural because mm. it's um because of all these things I've been talking about because of these crossing these boundaries and control is obviously a game very interested in crossing boundaries between scientific and supernatural and all kind of other things. So I think that phone fits perfectly in that game.
0: Yeah, the phone in Control really feels like it belongs. Uh, control is a game in which... Um... Yeah, you're you're kind of part of this very strange government bureau. And the bureau, part of what the bureau does is it looks into what are called objects of power, objects that have a strong charge. And, you know, you come across lots of objects that have a strong charge. But as you say, the phone in in Control really feels like, so far, as much as I've played, the most charge. Um, It's interesting that it is one of those rotary phones, as you say, like they've gone for the kind of iconic... Phone shape that that is a phone. It was interesting to me when I came across it because to me it looks like the phone that was used by the insurance company in the UK, Direct Line. Um, oh yeah, wh- who obviously have done exactly the same thing. They've ch- they wanted a phone for their logo and they just went with a bright red rotary phone they went with like the most phony looking phone they could get their hands on and that's very that's very like the kind of thing that controllers is interested in is you know what yeah, is yeah. what is the most potent version of that thing that we can go for and i i think you're right with rotary phones it's something to do with that rather alarming ring and that i guess like the the methodical way in which you would have to enter in numbers um mm. which would, would take as we say like a long time that curly wire um there's yeah there's a lot about it that's that's really good and and yeah control i think is um is a it's a wonderful setting for it it really kind of sh- plays it up really well
1: yeah uh, and of course the other with that phone as well um so you the direct line phone was not the first one that came to my head. Okay. Uh, I I was uh, thinking of the phone that I was called, I don't know exactly what it was called, referred to as like the, the, the Moscow, Washington hotline. Ah. So the, well, as I understood it, the President of the United States um, uh, had a red phone in the Oval Office that they could use to call Moscow at any time. And speak to uh, whoever would have been in charge at that point. I don't know how long this phone's been there. or um, And this is during or, the or Cold War. Yeah. Right. Um, so that is like a, a phone that I was wearing up. And to me, that seemed to make sense within the world of control. Like that the Cold War setting. Like mm. this kind of secret government bureau and all this. It seemed to fit quite nicely. Uh, it's a very iconic phone. Um, but then I discovered... When I looked this up, that, that it didn't actually exist in that f- form, and um, it wasn't even a phone. It was a, a teletype thing where they you could like they could type stuff um, uh, oh. to send to Moscow. So there was no phone. Right. The red phone was a prop that had, was used to represent it at various times or other. So ah. it has. So this again, this is perfect for control because it's like an an object that is kind of like this cultural obtains this kind of cultural significance and it's in them it, it, you know the cold war such a like charged time and like this phone was like a big symbol of of, of this um connection but it didn't actually exist it was just this kind of construction so it, it was yeah it's literally like an object of power that's you know um controls interest in all these ideas of the way that the objects get imbued with power and things like that so that fits perfectly Uh, I found that very nice indeed very neat Um, yeah that was interesting to learn um yeah that phone uh has is, is bound uh in the games technology to the director of the bureau and it can be only be used by the director of the bureau there's a somebody at some point you're told in the game answered the phone and they, 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 a lot of these information controls redacted but we just know that something bad happened and the people who witnessed it had to be given well I don't know whether they had to be given or not but they were given extensive memory repression yeah. therapy or something like that so answering this phone was not a good idea but this um, so this because kind of brings us to the idea of telephone as a, a vector for privileged information which is also what that hotline was um, it was a <laughs> Uh, a line of communication that only very very two very privileged people could could access it's not the, the phone is not a communal mode uh, of communication it's a private mode of communication um that means it helps us to exchange secrets and that means it can also tie into the issue of control which control is obviously concerned with so the access to the telephone and therefore the information confers you with power so by wanting to or um, giving into the temptation of accepting the role that allows you to be the conduit to receive the information through the phone you get this privileged information but and this is something I think the game is concerned with. You, the, the hotline allows you to communicate with the board who are... <laughs> um, well,
0: They're a kind a, of benign, a, eldritch a super,
1: entity. Super, oh, it's not even clear. They're a supernatural entity of some kind. Right. They're like a voice that yeah. appears to be supernatural and nobody really knows what they are. They speak to you. But they're telling you what to do. So by accepting the role of receiving the information you're kind of being controlled by them mm. so that's quite a long, long-winded long point but i'm trying to say that the the phone is like is first of all a private mode of communication therefore allows you to transfer secrets and therefore you can have this kind of privileged role but then there's a question of like how uh, you have to fit into that role uh to receive the information and then there's essentially uh, could be controlled by it which is what um yeah, the, the, the very idea of keeping information secret and private uh, right. creates these kind of, yeah.
0: Yeah, so, it pushes you into, into that control. position. Yeah, yeah, and it absolutely does fit with control where your character is kind of strangely kind of, oh, I can't remember what the term is. But um, yeah, it's kind of pushed into the role of the director kind of unbeknowingly it seems mm. at 1st Mm-hmm. Okay, so another nice uh, mechanic or theme that we are thinking about, I think, when when we're thinking about phones is the phone as a lifeline, as a source of connection. Um, this again brings us to some rather sort of nice everyday aspects of the telephone. I think when, when those of us who have memories of using it as a teenager, a lot of being very dependent on the phone, um, as a way of sort of keeping in touch with friends, um, you, you might describe it in that way. And, um, the game that i thought did that sort of mundane aspect of phone use as as just your social life um as your sort of social connection and and lifeline to others is persona 5 persona 5 just nails loads of stuff to do with being a teenager basically it's just really really good at it um and, um, and yeah, I mean, they, they text with each other a lot on Persona, of course, but, um, but yeah, the, the, way, the way that the phone is present within this group of friends, uh, felt very sort of, um, familiar to me. Um, and, uh, and I thought that was a nice kind of everyday example.
1: Yeah. There's, um, again, going back to Rachel Foster, uh, where you have, um, I don't know, it's supposed to be some, like, satellite fact. They explain it really badly. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, well, there's, for some reason, a super advanced satellite phone in the derelict Hotel. but well, wait, it's a walkie-talkie. Right, um, yeah. uh So that, um, Firewatch, of course, which uh, you've also played. Yes. Um, and the flower collectors that I mentioned okay. earlier all use phones, walkie-talkies, in this way as kind of providing a connection um same so Firewatch, obviously, is you're hiking around the forest and your character's meant to be dealing with things, mm-hmm. um, the, 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 the calls to Delilah, I believe she's called. She is. Oh, do that for me. Okay. Um, so that allows him... The phone here, because we've been very negative about phones up until we've gotten to this lifeline subject, but yeah. the phone here, this is a character who's looking for space away from people and the phone allows him way back in that has that little bit of distance still because you're not physically present mm. and that becomes a way for him to kind of move back towards human interaction so that's really nice i think um rachel foster is or just being able to speak to somebody while you're very uncomfortable wandering around these horrible empty corridors really works to just it, it literally feel like a lifeline to feel like you have a connection to someone and you're not alone. Um, so that works really well there. And, and again, the, the flower collectors, it's just, um, well, as I said before, used for a nice premise, but it allows him to do things that he can't otherwise because of his disability and also becomes a way for him to kind of reconnect. Um, so, yeah, uh, and the, the phone's a nice device or like symbol for that to run through.
0: Yeah, I think we can we can actually end up circling back round to horror, though, even though it's a nice thing and this is a lovely function of the phone that we all um, value and get a lot of benefit from. Because once you have established the phone as this key lifeline, this key link outwards, this key source of connection, of course the phone can be disrupted. Um, and that's an absolute mainstay of, of horror. Um, and continues to be uh, an issue, uh, becomes increasingly an issue as mobile phones become completely ubiquitous because in most horror setups, it's quite important that there isn't a lifeline. It's quite important that there isn't that Mm. route out of the situation um, that that the phone provides. And um, I thought um, you can see it in Until Dawn, which is a game with a group of awful teenagers having a fun, murderous time on a mountain. I do enjoy Until Dawn. But um they they're stuck on a mountain, right? It's it's, it's a kind of horror movie setup and it's really important that there is no no sort of connection with the outside world but of course there are a bunch of teenagers in you know whenever the game's set 2014 or whatever they Mm. all have mobile phones so it's a way that the game then has to kind of explain why the phones won't work on the mountain which is not too difficult to do of course I guess they've got no no reception or whatever but um but yeah the phones it's interesting the phones are still actually present in in the game and people are still using the phone's really important actually to the plot they they get used to record something um but um but yeah but that that function is is disrupted um so yeah so it's that idea of becoming dependent on them because because of course it can be disrupted and that's what i really liked it only occurred to me the other day but thinking about if we think about control again this game where um we're saying you know this this connection to this kind of guiding entity seems so important. The role of our character, Jessie, as as the woman who can answer the phone, who who answers the phone. Um, it's interesting that the enemy in that game is called the hiss. Mm-hmm. Um, they're they're a static, they're a form of static that has penetrated the world. Um, and certainly they, they kind of run around um, in embodied form as enemies that you can shoot at. But but I think we are we are constantly encouraged to think of them in oral terms as as like a an auditory threat um yeah. and and, and that, title, that that name the hiss it's really clever um as as the kind of interference that you can get down the line and the threat that that might be
1: mm. yeah i don't think this is a spoiler to say that they do later cause a bit of interference with that calls rifles right. as well so that does actually happen
0: it makes loads of sense it makes loads of sense because yeah that's literally what they're called so yeah <laughs> it, it kind of fits
1: yeah so yeah um I mean as we as we've already suggested the, the phones uh also have this potential for disruption or uh some kind of deception. So, I mean, the phones is in loads of games as a way of giving us information. We're very used to that being a thing. It's uh, a very easy excuse to be able to tell the player the things they need to know um, and for them to have characters to interact with in the story without them having to be physically present. So, for example, you've been playing Metal Gear Solid where Snake is infiltrating a military base by himself. Yeah. He needs, however... Well, if you're going to have a story, it would be very useful to him to have characters to speak to and uh, bounce off of. So the codec that he has in his ear is a kind of phone that allows characters to be present. So, yeah, it's a device used all the time. Um, Deus Ex has a info link, which is a similar thing. Um, Loads of games like that, where it's either doing that job or being like a tutorial system or something like that. But yeah, then, um, as with real phones, it can be subverted. And I mean, I don't know how far you are in Mercury so I don't know how, I'm, how much, I mean, you get calls from uh, Deep Throat, who is an anonymous person. So first of all, we've got somebody concealing their identity, which is what the phone allows them to do. Mm-hmm. Have you had any other? Have you had anything else with, like, Kodak calls? A kind of...
0: Not from anyone who I wasn't sort of knowing or no, nothing kind of alarming other than the deep throat ones who I can't see his face when he rings and stuff.
1: Okay. Yeah. Okay. Oh, right. so, um, So, so we see this start to happen. For example, Metal Gear Solid 2 is a game where it's, there's a lot with subverting this kind of stuff where the codec calls are constantly used for fourth wall breaking stuff and to, so the idea is in games, we, these things are, uh, a method for us getting information that we can trust and that these are the things we have to do and we can rely on that information uh that constantly gets subverted in Metal Gear Solid 2 where it's made very clear like you don't know who you're talking to uh and your assumptions about who you're talking to can change quite a lot um so it plays with that idea we see that in um Bioshock of course as well which we Uh, covered in our video series
0: yeah um yeah I mean that's the other kind of interference isn't it is um not just that the technology might break down but the second that the phone introduces itself to us as this root of stable a stable source of information that we can use you know immediately that throws up well what if what if it's not trustworthy? And, and yeah, that is the problem that comes up in Bioshock. It comes up in Rachel Foster. It comes up in lots of games in which, you know, the phone is present as a source, um, of, of communication, of information, um, the question of whether or not you can trust it. Um, I think it's, you know, it's, it's done famously and I think it's done quite well in Bioshock. Um, Another game, actually, I was going to say Firewatch came came up for me here because I don't want to say too much about whether or not you can trust the other person on the other end of the line. But the question is certainly a live one in, in Firewatch. Um, the question of the extent to which you can trust Delilah, um, who, you know, is very pointedly given the name of a famous um kind of seductress, seductress um slash um you know destroyer of men from the bible you know you don't you're not quite sure who you're dealing with and the other person who you're not sure who you're dealing with in firewatch i think quite brilliantly is is henry is your point of view character um as as paul said earlier you know um henry has gone out to the woods to be alone because he had something to deal with. He had something very horrible happen in his personal life. And you get a sense of guilt from Henry that you just don't know quite what to do with. Um, And, um, you know, this is a guy who is struggling with feelings of guilt, basically. And at points, you're not sure whether he might have done something very bad. You know, it, the, the the suggestion is kind of there. I. I You wonder throughout the game, I think, or I certainly did, how much to trust Henry, and the fact that you're only getting information from him through the phone, um, even though he's your point of view character. The only things we're learning about him are we're learning in conversation with Delilah, um, kind of brings that up as well. You know, we we know that he is not. We are not getting the full sense of him, um, even as we play his and look through his eyes.
1: I suppose it brings into focus as well by the fact that you choose what and how much information to reveal exactly. over the phone in those conversations yeah. the the way the phone allows us to um very easily kind of uh hide bits of information or hide the way we react to things or what we may be thinking or feeling about things so yeah game that plays with that very well I think mm, mm. um Hotline is a again that does this as well i mean i've already i think i've mentioned it before but obviously the at the beginning of each level you just get a phone call with somebody doing a thinly veiled thing of uh there's been a problem with the i don't know the pizza delivery at this place you need to go and iron things out or something like that you know um and the game never explains to you why you're getting the phone calls and who the phone calls are from. You just get the phone calls and do what the phone says. And that's something that it brings up later, which is like, what, why are you doing what you're being told by these strange, but you didn't even know where the phone calls were coming from. You, you you don't know what, what any of this is about. So yeah, again, playing with that idea of an anonymity and, um, deception and, and things like that, uh, This kind of doesn't fit into anything else we've been talking about, but I just wanted to mention it. Um, The Red Strings Club has a scene with a phone that I really, really like. Uh, The Red Strings Club is a narrative adventure game, I guess you'd say, set in a kind of cyberpunk world. It's got a bit of kind of corpion espionage storyline to it. Um, Quite a lot of it's got quite a fun idea where you work in a bar and uh, characters come in and talk to to you and you can um the drinks you mix for them manipulate their emotions so you give them different drinks to put them into different emotional states and then you're talking to them and depending what emotional state you put them in you'll get success with different conversation options you can get different information out of them but towards the end of the game there's a scene where you're sitting in an office uh, a, a closed office at night Um, that you've broken into or whatever at the top of an office building looking out over this rainy cyberpunk city and you've just got the computer in front of you and a phone and you uh, first of all you can type the you can use the number pad on your keyboard for the phone things and you know we talked in the computer episode about like that kind of lack of um abstraction like between mm. the i've there's something really satisfying i found about punching the numbers in on my keypad as if i was using the phone um, it's just like a tactile thing that feels nice but basically you um it's kind of the climax of this corporate espionage thing and you ring up different people and you have like a voice changer so you can impersonate different people so you ring somebody and ask them about something and you can get a little bit of information from them you can then do some stuff with the computer where you get stuff from there and then you kind of get more numbers and get contacts from more people and you'll just be doing this whole thing of deceiving other people by, again, because you're on the phone, you know the phone that can be used this way. If you just... uh are vague enough or ask the right questions or you can just sneak these little bits of information off of people that you never would be able to if you weren't using a phone and it's really so i guess it does play into this idea of deception but it's also just really fun and satisfying to do it's uh that
0: sounds really cool that sounds really fun
1: yeah one other game series that i guess i should mention is grand theft auto i don't know how much grand theft auto you've played
0: Um, I have played uh, all of the games since San Andreas. Um, I'm not like, I just have played them. I'm not like super into them. San Andreas was really good.
1: Of course, um, they, particularly the early ones, all your missions came from phones. It was just a ringing payphone in the early games that you would answer. Mm. So again, this ties into this idea of anonymity that the phone confers because this was the way the criminal underworld operated in in the game you would go to the payphone and get your get your thing um I, I mean the main reason i brought it up is because have to mention the phone from gta 4 which allows us to uh experience oh the God. very annoying cousin
0: i was gonna say the second you said it i could hear whatever <laughs> is it is nico your cousin no, nico or is you- your character isn't it nico's your coach so it's roman it's Roman. maybe it's the other way around maybe you're right who knows it every five minutes that bloody guy um yeah i'd completely forgotten about that yeah that's Uh, that shows us how
1: phones can be very annoying Um, (laughs) people constantly ringing us up trying to go bowling or some shit and then getting upset with us because we yeah
0: yeah it's relatable content frankly um uh okay well um so i've got one other phone then um i will mention which is not a phone but i love it i love it when they try and when they manage to find ways of bringing phones into fantasy games which they do more and more um just because when you're i guess when you're like designing a quest like it's it's such a useful device for like storytelling um And it allows characters to be there. Like all the stuff we've been saying, you know, it it gives us loads of space for deception. It allows kind of characters to be there who aren't there. Mm. You know, as you say, it would really break the tension in Metal Gear Solid if all the bloody, all six of the horny weirdos who he's got (laughs) on his codec... (laughs) <laughs> We're actually like storming the base with him. But you know, the phone the phone allows that to happen. Um there's uh, in Witcher Three Wild Hunt, there's a lovely quest, a tower full of mice, um, where the Geralt is investigating events that happened in an abandoned tower, and he's put up to it by Kira Metz, and who's a wonderful character who I love a lot. And Kira keeps in touch with Geralt via a Xenovox. She calls it, um, which is a wonderful bit of fantasy naming because it's just Zeno alien Vox voice. Um, I'm trying
1: to remember this as you say. I I vaguely remember a haunted tower. There's a where haunted some tower. Some guy's in... been doing experiments.
0: Yes, okay, someone has yeah, indeed, and Kira's Kira is very interested in it as well. We all remember Kira, she's difficult to forget. But um, yeah, she's um, she's very interested in it for her own reasons. You know, all of this stuff does actually come up, this idea of deception. And also, like, it's just really important that Kira is present for that quest. But again, it would break the, qu- the tension of, it, you know, going through this spooky haunted uh, tower if she was actually there. So, yes, yeah, so they find a way to bring a phone in. And that's the Xenovox. And I like the Xenovox very much. I think it's a fun thing. So I had one more thought that really came to mind as like a really striking use of a phone in a video game and where I thought it was like taking us into some quite interesting territory. Um, And it's that taking us into interesting territory that I actually wanted to talk about Um, because as we've been saying throughout, you know, the phone is like this ubiquitous um, piece of technology that starts off very exciting maybe becomes less exciting but we we have to remember that the phone and that that network was the kind of foundation of our of our current age it's the earliest form of the internet is over um is over phone lines mm-hmm. um it is the place where you were able the first hackers were were on phones I mean maybe there's a version of hacking that's to do with the printing press I don't know but as, as far as I know <laughs> It's telephones, it's phone freaking, that's freaking with a PH, where people used to be able to get like free long distance calls by playing tones down the phone. Um,
1: Yeah, super interesting. I didn't find out about that until well after being aware of obviously the idea of hacking computers. Yeah.
0: Yeah 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 but the, the as early as the 1950s you know this this was a practice that people were doing and apparently like um, Steve Jobs was was into phone freaking you know lots of people who end up you know being quite important in the kind of early um creation of um of of computer infrastructures yeah. and the internet w- got their start in phone freaking you know this was a system that was was appealing to them um so yeah, so it is the 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 very early structure of our current age and it was technology that that brought us somewhere new and um the example in games that i think really beautifully illustrated this potential of phones was pt not a game in fact um the playable trailer for silent hills do you remember did you watch that when it came out i assume uh, you didn't play uh,
1: it i mean i th- i uh uh i have seen i i think where i was working at the time it was played in the office so right. i definitely saw bits of it i think i probably watched like bits of videos because it was a game that people were talking about a lot but um looks horrific I don't, I don't... it
0: looks so frightening yeah i watched someone playing it on a stream there was absolutely no fucking way i was downloading that haunted text to my playstation mm-hmm. like it just looked so so terrifying um, but I did watch someone someone streaming it. Um and um really interesting. So that was a a, a teaser that was released for um a Silent Hill game that never actually got released. Mm. Um that was supposed to be helmed by uh Kojima and um uh, Guilherme,
1: Guilherme del Toro.
0: Guillermo del Toro and have Norman Reedus in it somehow and just be extremely exciting um but yeah but so that that trailer took the form of um you were walking around and around and around a suburban hallway um in a house um and it seems to have been at some point in the past perhaps because there's a landline in the hallway which is quite a retro detail isn't it that's like where quite often where the phone used to yeah. be was yeah. in, in the hallway, in the hallway. Yeah. not it's like the first in- place you would look yeah if you were- yeah Exactly. Um, yeah. Um, and so you've been going round and round and round and you were trying to make something happen. And it's important to note that when PT came out, it was not linked openly to Silent Hill. You had to complete it to get Mm. that, to understand that that's what it was. Um, and so you just walk around and around the hallway. You don't know why terrifying, terrifying things are happening. Very, very scary. And then at some point, if you trigger it, I'm not quite sure how how you triggered it properly. It was like you'd have to look in places at the right time and press things at the right time and stuff like that. Um, the phone would start ringing, which had previously been silent. And then you'd been told that, you you know, that's kind of your a voice would come over the phone saying you have been chosen. And then suddenly you could like leave the hallway and step outside and it comes up. Boom! Silent Hills, and you know the internet goes fucking crazy, um, and uh, and yeah, it was that thing. It was that amazing, exciting thing. It's always useful to reframe anxiety and alarm as excitement. That's like, (laughs) if you can, if you can trick yourself into doing that, it's quite a good trick. Mm. And, um, and I think, yes, it may be useful when, when we have this technology that does cause us all sorts of alarm to remember that that's because it's quite an exciting thing. It's inherently, um, this incredible potential bound up in it and certainly you know when when people started getting that phone call in in silent hills and stepping outside of the house and realizing that you know that there was going to be a new game in this franchise that they absolutely adored uh that was a really exciting moment unfortunately mm. it didn't happen <laughs> No, no, <laughs> bit of a shame but never mind
1: yeah and that games is a really weird place now in terms of like like pts like not you can't get it anymore.
0: p t is a ghost itself. Yeah, it's been taken mm. down from the PlayStation um store. You can't get it. I think if you can buy PlayStations that have it installed and you can buy them for more money, like mm. p t is super interesting. Um, we talk about it um on the Shadow about Monsters, the Shadow Trap. I talk about it a little bit on our episode about Poltergeists. Um, it's a really, really interesting modern horror text i think pt
1: mm. yeah well uh i can't say i'm that upset that it's gone but as <laughs> 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 uh yeah so um i just wanted to end with some suggestions that we had um lovely from listeners and uh, as as ever the uh range touch and no cartridge Discords have been very helpful in coming up with lots of suggestions so i i think i've got some of those here so um going back to our theme of the telephone as like a lifeline or connection um harlock mentioned earthbound um, which Mm -hmm. also came up in our food episode with that kind of homeliness thing and you can use uh house phones pay phones uh, etc to talk to your dad to save the game um get more money order goods um also you get a negative status effect from uh called homesickness and to cure that you have to call your mum right. so that's a, a quite a sweet example of, of the phone focusing and um, functioning in that way slash epoch mentioned uh far cry 2 um that game's come up uh, quite a few times uh you have like an old brick style mobile phone nice. uh, which which slash epoch says uh looks like a burner um you know like those phones that you just use and chuck away so it kind of fits into that um fiction but uh he's kind of talking about a way you know we talked a bit about a way how far cry 2 has this kind of hostility to the player um in in uh in the way it works and mm-hmm. the phone works in that way you have to be in a safe place to use it because um you can't just like, if you get it out, then it limits how you move. So you, you, it can, yeah, really mess you up. So uh, if it rings while you're in the middle of the firefight, the, the player character will apparently shout, not now, out loud. Like, right, that's <laughs> fits nice. Into that. Yeah, it's a nice little touch. Um, But, uh, yeah, you can't use anything else while you're using the phone. It's like an animation where you take it out. So if somebody starts shooting at you, like, you can't, like, just, you know, duck behind a a rock or whatever is what uh, Sasha Epoch said. So, yeah, that was a fun one. Um, You might know about this. I don't know. Turtle Dove Jones mentioned that you get called by ghosts in Alan Wake.
0: Oh, shout out. Yeah. Um, I don't remember Alan Wake that well, unfortunately, but I really liked it. I played it twice and that sounds exactly like the kind of thing that would happen in Alan Wake. Yeah. Um, what a good time
1: yeah they also said the entire dlc is a verizon commercial i don't know what that means but uh... alan
0: wakes american nightmare i never played it um okay. but alan wakes really really good i i actually really want to particularly because we i mean as as we've made abundantly clear we both really enjoyed control or mm-hmm. are enjoying it um it's by remedy the same developers and they're very good yeah
1: um there's a, there's a couple of games that kind of replicate real phones in that so they used like the WeMo we remote for example to because it had a speaker in it to mm-hmm. call you so um Guba i don't know if that's the name go 3 r mentioned silent heroes shattered memories where you, you, there's phone calls using the, the wemo and uh romination mentioned no more heroes where that happened as well right. um i thought that was quite a fun use of the I I can imagine... I haven't played those games, but I can imagine that having an effect, like having the remote ring and having it as a physical object. um, I can imagine that working nicely. Mm. Uh, A really strange game that I wasn't aware of, mentioned by me first, called Lifeline, um, where you control a character exclusively using voice communications. It was on Uh. the PlayStation 2. So um i don't think it necessarily works particularly well but right. you, you're watching a character and you tell her like aim at this part of the monster shoot um so you're like literally like through the phone like telling them everything that they've got to do uh very playstation 2 like mm. weird strange idea um yeah um also there was a couple of examples where games have kind of extended themselves out into the realm of real physical phones so kentucky route zero um did you play this the like side bits as one where you can f- use a phone you can dial a phone no okay well there's in kentucky route zero it's got like uh kind of like the interstitial bits between the main episodes and one of them You just have a phone and you can dial numbers. But originally they did something where you could actually ring these numbers. So you could actually ring and it would give you... It would be like some... I can't remember exactly. It's like the... Something like a tourist information bureau of the river or something. So you could get these informations and press one for this and press two for that. Um, Oh,
0: right. Yeah, because there's like a phone switchboard, isn't there? um, Yeah. On the river,
1: yeah. And so it was James that mentioned that and... Uh, they pointed out that there's a lot of examples of games uh, of phones being used for like ARGs like that type of thing which Mm. is cool I think um and finally Jay from Nowhere and Championship both mentioned Nakayama Miho no Tokimeki High School which is a game where you would be you would get real life phone numbers to call and you'd be encouraged to call like a Japanese idol who would then give you tips to beat the game. Um, so yeah, I just thought that was a weird.
0: That sounds really awkward. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So, uh, that was telephones. Um, if you've got any telephones that we didn't mention that you'd, you'd like to add to the conversation for the, for next episode, uh, we can that we can uh, just chat about up front? Then please do let us know. Um, so on Twitter at getobjectpod or email us on getobjectpod at gmail.com. That's right, that's right. Okay, I yep. was questioning myself as I <laughs> said that, which you could tell by the fact that we have this visual. Uh, exactly. you can see my face, can you? Yeah, um, I've lost my train of thought there. Um, I didn't stream last uh week, but I'll probably. Again, I don't know when this is going to come out, so I don't know how relevant this is. If you're interested in me streaming, just look at the Twitter and I'll I'll tweet if I'm going to stream uh, or follow us at twitch.com/getobject. Um and I'll maybe go back to Black Mesa or maybe I'll play Heaven's Vault in there, I don't know.
0: Oh, uh, uh, yeah, okay. Would yeah. it
1: be would it be fun to stream though? Cuz I, I feel like I'd like to spend a lot of I don't know exactly how it works. I feel like I'd spend a lot of time thinking about the symbols in a way that might be boring for other people. I don't know.
0: I think it might be quite difficult to stream. I'm um, okay. not wanting I'll, to get I'll, into like yeah. I'll uh, stick to Black Mesa maybe
1: then for right. that. Um and yeah if you wanna hear more from us, um if you want to hear about my adventuring in the dungeons of uh Avernum, we want to hear about Rosie uh Rosie's assault on Shadow Moses. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then in um Meryl gear, solid, Meryl gear then, solid yeah check out the patreon patreon.com get object uh, we can get access to all that stuff um uh, as well as our videos looking at the way that games introduce us to their world's via objects mm. that brings us to the subject of our next episode which will be
0: it's gonna be swords my god we're just going straight in with just like the most incredible object of power you can imagine
1: yeah, this is very significant. A lot of swords and games, yes. a lot of um, cultural and mythical stuff surrounding swords uh, could be fertile ground.
0: Uh, I'm so excited about it. Yeah, yeah. I kind of have av- for some reason. I had in mind that we weren't to do swords just yet because it just feels like too potent. But like you've just got to go in there. You've got to you've got to do these things. Yeah. So we'll be um, grasping it by the hilt. <laughs> Guns. <laughs>
1: guns still guns still feel so difficult to me there's so many guns I don't know how I still please somebody tell us how we should do guns we have no idea yeah we I mean because we talked about maybe there's so many guns that you could potentially just do like shotguns but then we were thinking like it would just be like I like this shotgun Mm. yep That's a good shotgun. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know. We have um, no
0: idea how to break down guns, whether we should break down guns. It does feel too big for one episode. But maybe Anyone. it's not. Maybe, maybe it's, it's just not. like, I don't know. Guys, if you've got any ideas about how on earth we should tackle guns, let us know. Um, but in the meantime, yeah, we're just going to have the time of our lives talking about swords. Yeah, cool. Brilliant. All right, well, that's it then. Uh, we will check in with you guys uh, next time. Thank you so much for listening.